This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This Gibson ranting at screenwriter <laughs> Joe Esterhouse last year in Mel's Costa Rica home. Oh <laughs> yeah, we didn't play that one before. Oh, thank you for queuing that up. From the same clip, the same tape on which he was recorded saying, Why don't I have a draft of the Maccabees? Oh, yes. But tag yourself, tag yourself in this clip. <laughs> I'm I'm fine to get. I'm that cell phone ringing. Oh. <laughs> I'm the longest fuck. <laughs> it's funny to hear someone yell like a cartoon character that's burned their hands on a stove. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Mm. Well, I mean, when was the last time you really like yelled even to yourself? I can tell I can tell you. Uh the one I remember the most clearly was two years ago making a caramel corn cake. <laughs> I was making caramel, which is famously Ooh. very hot. Yes. And then I was looking at the recipe of the book. I was in the kitchen. I went over to the kitchen table. I was like, well, I got caramel on my spoon. I should probably put my hand over the spoon so it doesn't drip. Oh, no. And then I it did inevitably drip. And I went, yeah. Uh, like you really that. yelled. Truly yeah, like yeah. that. It was it was a Did you curse? Mm, probably. Not in front of the camera. I don't well, not in front of the dog. But no, I've done it where it's like I'll I'll stub my whatever and be like, ah, like yeah, 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 yeah. That, that happens. That is like lava on your hand. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's I'm scarred. You're for, still standing. No, I it's a it's a uh, scar right there. You oh can my still see God. it. There's a little white line on Oof. my ring finger on my left hand. I'm hurting just thinking about that. Yeah, well, I'm squirting just thinking about that. That cake was good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> but at least people enjoyed terrible. the cake. It was worth a permanent scar I have on a my hand. A lifelong wound. <sighs> Damn. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. We're here to have good Christian fun. Speaking of lifelong wounds. Speaking it's a lifelong yelling. wounds. That, hey. <laughs> 
That was Mr. Gibson, a man that we've somehow talked about more than once so on the show. So much. He is he is a fast rising star on GCS. <laughs> He's kind of the talk of the pod. Yeah, first we <laughs> covered a movie he made 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now we're covering a movie he made 21 years ago. Uh, what's next? We could talk wow. about The Beaver. We could talk about Apocalypto, which apparently is very Christian in parts. But people seem to like that Father movie. Stew. Father Stew. This is kind of a Father Stew prequel. It's kind of, it's a Father Stew prequel. <laughs> In some ways. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Isn't he a father in Father Stew? Oh, he's a father. He's a father. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is he is he a father father or is he a priest father? I accidentally typed in feather stew, which is different. <laughs> Something a duck would make for dinner. Something else you'd burn on your burn your hands on. So this was yeah, it was based on a true story. And uh okay, Father Stew. Mel Gibson plays no, he doesn't play a father. Uh, Mark is the father. Mark. Mel Gibson plays William Bill Long, Stu's estranged father. So he is a father. He's just not He's, well, a, yeah. a capital F father. Well, after a certain amount of time, you do start playing fathers more often. Oh my gosh. Um, that's really funny. How long is that movie? 124 minutes? No. I, I kinda s- wanna see it. Oh, okay. If here's the deal. If we get like stuck in a corner for a topic. Let's watch Father's Stew. Which has never happened on the podcast, Not, to be clear. And to be clear, we're always juiced. I'm I'm just learning this now. The film was re-released on December 9th, 2022, Father's Stew, the Mark Wahlberg movie about a Catholic priest, a boxer turned Catholic priest. On In December of last year, there was Father Stew colon reborn, a recut intended for a wider audience. What? So I have to imagine uh, they cut out a lot of the... Uh, yep, a PG-13 version of the movie. So that that's what that is. To appeal to more faith-based audiences, wow. of course. Be the first Catholics that are uncut. Right? Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Wait, is that a Catholic thing? No. More well, of a Jewish thing. Yeah. I mean, in general. Let's talk about circumcision. Oh, my gosh. No, there was a very embarrassing... I had some people over a couple nights ago... All of whom were Gentiles. Uh-huh. Not by design. It wasn't like a Gentile party. Everyone come <laughs> Thank over. Thank God, Kevin says. But oh, there, no. yeah. there came in this group of educated, smart people who I trust, who are all in their 30s, there came a moment in which all of us did say, yeah, so why did they? Because someone said they did. They went to a Jewish wedding recently. And we all speculated for a hot minute why do they do the chair thing? What's that meant to symbolize uh-huh. when you when they're lifted on the chair? And is it just like unity of community? And we did Google it. And I'm not going to double check, but listeners can, you know, check my ass on this. It is to get them closer to heaven. It, that is the actual intent of it. Oh, cute. Which I thought, because I was saying that, I'm like, well, they're lifting them closer to heaven. Maybe that, yeah, that's it. It's like a joke. But by that logic... Don't right. you think all Jewish weddings should be on the roof of whatever the building they take place in? They should be in the penthouse. The closest thing to heaven. <laughs> all Jewish weddings should be in penthouses. And those are the kind of takes you can expect from the Good Christian Fun Podcast. That kind of informed decision and thought and opinion. Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music and the movies, and the entertainment made for and made by Christians and by fathers too. But we're not here to make fun of you. We're not here to make you go to church. We're not even here to make you watch faith-based entertainment per se. Maybe we're just here to talk about genre movies made by auteur directors from like Mm. 20 plus years ago. And maybe we're talking today about the 2002 film Signs, the alien invasion film Signs, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. The M, as we know, stands for 
movies. That's true. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, what did you say? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> movies, movies night. Movies night. Shyamalan. Because <laughs> that sounds like a lights camera Jackson joke. <laughs> <laughs> movies night. Shyamalan. <laughs> That's been the theme of every one of his birthday parties. We're gonna have movies night Shyamalan this year once again. <laughs> he was his parents were cinephiles. They loved having movies nights. Movies nights. <laughs> movies nights. They said, no, movies we're going to have another movies night <laughs> in the form of a baby. But, uh, Caroline, mm-hmm. we we pressed on without you last yes. week. Yes. We did a main feed episode without you. I think the first of its kind. Right. And I said it there. I said it in our Patreon episode with Alyssa where we checked in on each other and we're very vulnerable with each other. People can check that out. But I'll say it again. I really missed you while you were gone. Oh, you did? Well, yeah, because we were we were apart for three a or long four time. weeks, and we texted hardly at, hardly all, at all. Yeah. That time. Oh, I was figuring I'm going to save it up for when I see you anyway. You know, right? Which I didn't feel like a lot. I w- I didn't feel a yeah. break. I didn't want to burn topics. The, no, yeah, and we. I am very wary of that <laughs> when I'm like texting, of like, oh, we're just going to stare at each other if I talk about this now. <laughs> The well, not even in a podcast way, but yeah, definitely. So anyway, yeah. So I just wanted to check in and see how's your heart. We just yeah. recorded a, a Patreon episode that came out a couple of days ago that people listen to, call in show. Uh, but man, how was your trip? Oh my gosh, it was it was really cool. I got to go to Tokyo and Kyoto for the first time, for the very first time. And you've um, not been to Japan at all before. I haven't been to Asia at okay. all, let alone Japan. And uh, I wish I had, like, a really cool reason why we chose to vacation there, but— Like a spiritual— Yeah, or, like, I've been, you know, reading this, you know, series for— (laughs) But it was, like—it was—you know, we have had, like— Nate and I kind of have, like, a list of places we'd really like to go if we're going to do our big trip per year. Mm -hmm. And um, originally, we had planned to go to Italy in, like, 2020— which may not have been the best, you know, wow. a pizza time. Um, it wasn't a pizza time at the time. <laughs> it wasn't a pizza night. Man, it wasn't. So uh, that was put on hold. And then when it, you know, uh, travel was becoming more available and we were kind of figuring it out, I was like, I just want to do something so, so different. And we have been lucky enough to like go to Europe before. And so this time I just want to be like mm-hmm. totally new world, you know? And um, like every other person I like Miyazaki movies and I just wanted to see those like countrysides in real mm-hmm. life you know and kind of get to experience that. that's interesting that the thing that made you want to go was an animated I know right vision of <laughs> of like that culture yeah. or that land or whatever yeah I've but, never seen a Miyazaki isn't that wild is that is that true I haven't seen oh no I saw Mononoke that's oh, not one okay. I've seen but wow. I was like 11 when I saw it but no I haven't oh my gosh you would really like them Ponyo Spirited Away Kiki gotta catch up with the whole squad I, I will eventually because I feel like they they are like very artful and lovely but they they have like that childlike wonder and like joy and stuff that I think you enjoy in mm-hmm. some movies um, so yeah I would check, I recommend it but I guess like the the artwork in those movies is like paintings in the background. Yeah. We got I got to go see a Miyazaki exhibit at the um Academy Museum in LA. And they just had the backgrounds of a lot of the movies, which were literally watercolor paintings, mm-hmm. like this wide. 
And I'm stretching my arms out very wide. Yeah. And with arms wide open. Yeah, with arms wide open. <laughs> and it was just so gorgeous and like detailed and painstaking and everything. And I was just like, wow, I really like that. Anyway, um, so that was kind of it. And so we just like booked our flight and I didn't really know a lot about what we were gonna do. I looked up like some tours on Airbnb and a couple other websites and like booked a bar hopping night in Tokyo. Uh, booked like a food tour in Kyoto um, and then booked uh, a like hiking tour through the Aniri shrines, which are those like orange gate shrines mm, that are really famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was amazing. Like I just really, really enjoyed Japan. It was so beautiful. And Tokyo especially, like, <laughs> I mean, most cities are better looking than Los Angeles, but like, <laughs> Tokyo especially because it's so um, walk-focused and it's so dense as a city. There's like 14 million people in Tokyo. I think there's only like 4 million people or so in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. in the entire city of Los Angeles. And it's super concentrated and so everything is up, but that means also like the streets have like that kind of cozy, almost European feel, you know? Like there's definitely a lot of cars, but like everything is like packed with like beautiful little restaurants and shops and like life going on in there. And then tons of greenery everywhere, like lots and lots of trees. And I think especially because it was the springtime. But to me, I was like, oh, this is a very like intentional way to run this city and make it look beautiful and make it feel livable for all the people here. And they also, uh, for the most part, don't have public trash cans anywhere. But there, I didn't see trash on the street so literally you figure that one out? time. Uh, wait, well, how does that work? Then? I know, I know. Wait, so wait a minute. Where does it all go? Yeah, where where does it go? Though, <laughs> well, well, part of it is, uh, and I I hope I'm not butchering my understanding of the culture uh-huh. for anybody listening, but but the, it turns into pixie dust at the end <laughs> of the night. <laughs> Magical workers come and help. <laughs> um, well, one, I think there are a lot of just like city workers keeping things running but also um it's not really a cultural thing to like take food to go like wherever you buy your food you pretty much like stay there finish it throw the trash away there so you don't have a starbucks cup to like throw away necessarily or you you just took it to your job oh and it's there so okay. that as a tourist was like kind of hard to, and i broke that rule on accident like so many times <laughs> wait <laughs> is it a rule or it's just like yeah, I think it is like a cultural rule. Like you, well, yeah, you just put your trash or in your pocket or just like hold on to it. Yeah. Wow. Or wait until you find some trash cans. Somewhere. I don't know why this is blowing me away. It blew right me now. away. I know. It's like such a, it's like the thing I but keep talking to people about, but I'm like, where's the trash? <laughs> we come from the land of trash, you see. <laughs> I was born in trash. <laughs> I was um, born in the trash. <laughs> and especially given like just how big that population is, it's pretty amazing. So all of that and and together, I was just like, wow, it's really beautiful. And I also know Japan culturally is not great in a lot of ways. And I think living there would be maybe difficult, but visiting there was Mm -hmm. fantastic. I really loved it. What what flight time is that? How many hours? Um, Nonstop, it's like 12 hours. Okay. Oh, that's not horrific. It honestly, I don't think it was that bad. Okay. And the um, plane we took out there, I was like... 
I felt like a country yokel in there. I was just like, look at this plane. This plane's amazing. Because it was like, uh, I think a newer plane on the United. They sat you and Nate in the goofy class <laughs> yeah, though, we right? Yeah, the goofy row. There's Pluto class. There's <laughs> the goofy row. Jeez, bikes. <laughs> Whoa, my ex. You got to drink <laughs> this water. You got to see that bathroom. Uh, but like the, uh, and I just like haven't seen this yet. Maybe it's been around for a while, but like the windows don't have shutters. They like automatically dim themselves. It's it's difficult, what? like transition sunglasses. Now I feel like a yokel because right? I'm like, cool. What? That's tight. It's crazy. So like when it was, it was broad daylight, but when they were like lights off, they like dimmed the windows. And so they were still like, you you could see through them, but it looked like nighttime outside. So you didn't have anyone going rogue and like leaving their window up when Ruining everyone everyone's life. Oh my God. Amazing. The, the screens are amazing on this TV now. Um, yeah. So it was just super comfortable also is, is the point. So if that is a barrier to going to Japan, I would say, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'll go tomorrow. Go tomorrow. Yeah. I'll squeeze in between <laughs> my trips to uh, a little place. I'll give you a hint. Talk about trash. It's big. It's red. And one a day keeps the doctor away. Wait, once I wanted- every two or three months for me. I wanted to shout out, actually, a listener reached out. I want to make sure. Gave I, you recommendations? I get their or name right. What's the nature of yeah, it? Yeah. So uh, they live in Tokyo. Oh, her name. I think her name is Julian. Mm-hmm. Anyway, shout out to Julian. You were so nice. She noticed, like, I was posting. She was like, hey, are you in the same country as me? And uh, gave me some recommendations for places to go in Kyoto. So we have a listener. Wow. At the very least, just one out That's really in nice. Japan. I will say, as someone who, you know, and. Be real is just friend to friend. It's a it's a closed loop system, but your be reels went off oh, while you were gone. Thank you. Those are some nice. That means a lot. I know it was nice to be like, well, I got some to show today. <laughs> it's like my cat Did you again. Use an Excel sheet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was really really cool. And um, that hike we took, like we booked this walking tour that was like one of the hardest hikes I've ever been on. And it was a tour, but it was like how far was it up a mountain? I I don't know in miles like how long it was, mm-hmm. but it was like three or four hours. I and could we, have done that. Yeah, you would What's have that? no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, we had to like go up, up, up at this mountain because our our guide was awesome. And instead of taking us through like the entrance that most people take to those shrine to those orange gates, um, she took us like the back way. Mm-hmm. So we like started at the top and then worked our way down. Oh, I kicked my ass though. I was so tired the rest of the week. Yeah, but isn't it nice to be tired? Well, I yeah. guess not if you're traveling. The whole yeah, because we like someone to keep walking places. And I was just like, oh, my legs. <laughs> um, but that was really great. Amazing food. Yeah, just just pretty spectacular. And oh, and we went to a park called or a city called Nara, where they have a park where there's just like deer that you can feed, deer crackers that you buy. And they're just really? cute little deer, and they just walk up and they're harmless, and they eat the crackers out of your hand. And you oh. can touch them. Oh, my God. And then I also have some Japan regrets, but I'll tell you that after because I don't want to besmirch the name. Sure. And some that I'm actually ashamed of. And we're not here to focus on the negative or whatever <laughs> hypothetical faux pas Caroline made <laughs> to bring shame upon her and her family. No, we're pivoting to, to uh, P, P to D, pivoting to diplomacy. Oh, that's good. For international matters. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that spirit. And you were, you know, in international waters, you were still... 
bridging across the reaching across the aisle you were making connections exactly. it sounds like you met up with certain you, yeah. you were connecting with Nate but and then you, I, yeah did you make you made friends or hung out with other people um, other? a little like on on the tour nights that we went on we would mm-hmm. we got kind of friendly with the tour but it was it wasn't necessarily anybody we were like hankering to go do another no swingers no swingers unfortunately uh, Nate I'm and I sorry. kept bringing out like Pineapple yeah. is pretty good, right? Ah, ah, ah. And they're all like, "You're kind of jangling yeah, it's your little hard to find around like, here." We fun to have a party with these, huh? <laughs> you guys ever toss for these in a bowl? Why do you? Kind of awesome. It's a fun game. Anyway. Why did you bring your keys on this trip? <laughs> oh, and just one more thing, I have to say that the Please. the uh, people in Japan, the Japanese people, were so nice and so helpful, very friendly and accommodating. Very accommodating. So, so for you in in uh, in a foreign place like that, where there could be language barrier stuff, mm-hmm. what is your I don't know strategy or policy in terms of like communication? <laughs> Do you use apps? A lot of people use apps now to yeah. translate things or. Because I, I thought I would have to do a, mo- a lot more. And honestly, most people could muddle through, either spoke perfect English or spoke enough to kind of like get around. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I doubt I would have been able to hold a conversation with some people, but I could like, you know, speak at a goofy, like, can I have this? And just like point, you know, on the menu, <laughs> like, this one, please, says egg. <laughs> we did use like the, the Google Translate app was amazing and there was a lot of times we just like pointed it at a sign and it would tell you in English what it said which was super helpful I mean technology is bad for so many reasons but that is dude nice oh I was talking with Nate of like if we had even you know taken a trip here I don't know in like the 80s we would have been lost (laughs) just like absolutely wrecked 100% or could have only gone with like a tour group which in my opinion blows so thank god for the internet Hey, well, I'm glad you had such yeah. a nice, spiritually refreshing time. It was deeply. Oh, I did pray at a shrine. A well, f- tell me about that shrines. experience. Okay, so our guide would was sort of explaining broadly. You know, this is for these shrines. This is kind of the tradition they're in. And at this particular place, there were kind of shrines for different, uh, I guess, areas of your life. So there was like the god of medicine at this shrine. At this shrine, there was the god of promotions at this side. This the god of promotions. <laughs> yeah, Is that real? Promotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. According to our guide. Okay. Um, and various things like that. And so she like actually talked us through like, okay, so you walk up, you bow twice, you clap twice to alert the god of like, hey, listen up. What if this person was just fucking with you? <laughs> Totally been fucking with me. And even she said, she was like, you know, not even Japanese people always do this correctly. So you may not see other people do this, but like, this is the correct way. Oh, <laughs> I would be clap twice, so skeptical. Let out, rip a fart. Trust a me. And then <laughs> at the, the top dance. of your, your lungs, just scream <laughs> okay. a blood curling scream. And that's respectful in this That's car. actually, yeah, huge. Um. Yeah, so you clap twice to like alert them that you're there and to listen to you, and then you like speak your wish. And what I thought was really f- like funny was at the end, she was like, "Do not forget to state your name and your address, so that God knows where you are and can deliver." Because <laughs> the God otherwise, <laughs> I was like, "It could be any Caroline." Messed up. <laughs> there might be. Oh, it's no, and it's not thou. It's right. the neighbors. <laughs> oh. I don't right. know. You so know, yeah, they would maybe heap the blessings on that golfer. Oh, with, or the basketball guy. 
Uh, there is a Kevin Porter basketball player, I think. Yeah, yeah. he would get all your, your goods. Yeah, well, not for long. Give your address. <laughs> There's a basketball player named Kevin Porter, but we'll see how long we'll he keeps see. playing. He keeps dribbling. Oh, my God. Was it a, was it, did it feel like a fulfilling? Yeah, was it, was it like nice. fun to do or was it like, oh, this was actually a sort of yeah. moment of uh, transcendence or whatever you would want to call it? That's a great question. I, I think it was a little bit like, you know, exciting. And then there is a part of it that is really special to be offering a prayer in front of uh, a shrine or stones that have been there for centuries. Mm-hmm maybe longer, um, and to be in a place where a lot of people came for help. And I think also because the the practice felt so inviting, it wasn't like, well, you need to be confirmed and you need to do this and that before you can even like deign to talk to the God or whatever. Mm-hmm. The fact that it felt very open and like very accessible, it did feel really nice. And it, it felt cool to be like a part of that tradition. And for me, I was like, yeah, maybe this would give me a promotion. You know, like, let me try. Mm-hmm. That could cut be nice. You gave the wrong address. <laughs> I did. I did. Damn it. I forgot to get the address. It was so funny because my guide, like, as I was doing it, she, like, literally talked me through it both times that I did it. She was like, okay, clap, bow twice. Very good. Clap twice. One hop this wish. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two then, hops clap this again, time. And then bow. And then very good. <laughs> I wanted to be like... Give me a moment, you know. Me Slide like, to the here. left. Yeah. <laughs> but she was, yeah, she was a little. Intense she was like very, that. yeah, very hands on. I guess. Um, yeah. So that that was that was cool. Oh, and then we also like uh, when we got to Kyoto, we we're kind of waiting for our room to open up. We chanced upon this other large temple that I believe was a Buddhist temple, and it was massive. It's been there for centuries. And we stopped in in like kind of, I guess, an altar area. It's like open floor, no chairs, and your shoes are already off. And I saw other people do this, but you kind of like walk forward and kneel. And behind the the like barrier of the altar was like this room that was just like layers of beautiful religious things. So there was oh. like an altar and a table and a thing on top of that. And then like incense things hanging from the ceiling and then huge flower arrangements, like fresh flowers and then like curtains and then another gold thing. And then some other piece of furniture that I didn't even recognize. Mm-hmm. It was like this whole tableau. It was very cool. Wow. And that, that did feel kind of neat and like, wow, it's nice to just like look at this. And I do feel sometimes there's something to having like a really spectacular thing to look at when you're in a religious setting. Yeah, I mean, the thing it sounds like you're zeroing in on with these experiences is, uh, hopefully, it it sounds like to me like a sense of humility where it's Mm -hmm. like uh, respect for the history, respect for something that's outside of yourself. And I wonder if that's the through line of like the best parts of Christianity or whatever the faith is, is like you do have to literally humble yourself. You're getting on your knees and saying there are things outside of me. There are things bigger than me. And in this case, it was shrines or or the gorgeous tableau of this like you know furniture behind you and, mm-hmm. and things like that but uh, it feels connected to that same idea of like you know uh whatever you want to call it like ridding yourself of main character syndrome or yeah. just or just making yourself small in a way that feels comfortable and feels good yeah or like um kind of stripping yourself mm-hmm. of like things that may establish 
status otherwise, then you are just you are just human in this moment, like standing there with your gods. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Were you and- were you allowed to strip your socks and shoes in the goofy row <laughs> on the way back home? <laughs> It's actually required at the Goofy Row. I got to let these dogs breathe. <laughs> these dogs are barking and stinking. Sorry about that. Whoa. Woo-hoo. I went for breeze. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, hey. Yeah, that was cool. I'm I'm glad it was such a fulfilling experience. Thank I can't you. wait to hear about the most shameful parts off oh, mic. Man, I like, like, it's like I need to compensate for it. Like, I might have to do some donations. Yeah, and that's okay. And you know what? We're all listening and learning and even expressing that bit of humility on air is, yeah. is helpful. It's part of travel, I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's part of it is, is making mistakes along the way. Making some boo-boos. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for me, one time I missed a flight coming back from New York, I guess I was. Oh, and yeah. uh, And, you know, that was Home away of, from home. Yeah, a little home away from home. Uh, but I, I'm so glad it was such a fun, fulfilling trip. I'm glad we're back together yeah. for the foreseeable future, I think. None of, neither of us have any. Not for now. Yeah. Um, do you want to share anything from at your your trip to the around the apple? I know we kind of blew our load earlier. Well, but... we we talked. To, I I talked a teeny tiny bit about it with Alyssa. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, All right. In in that episode, and and then we did before we started recording tonight. But the thing I'll connected to is is the reason there was such a long gap in between us seeing each other and recording was because I left town and then the end of my trip overlapped with the beginning of your trip. Mm-hmm. And so we were gone for like two and a half or three weeks or whatever. And I went to New York to run the Brooklyn Half Marathon. It was my first race, my first half Crushed marathon. Crushed it. Uh, oh, by the way, I didn't ask you, did you like have a record or like a personal best on that race? Well, I've, I've never run 13 miles. So oh, so. By definition, yes. Yes. It is my best time. It is <laughs> my worst time. Congratulations. It's an honor. Uh, <laughs> But I will I will connect it to the thing of like uh because I was as I was telling you, it was pouring down rain the entire time, the whole race. And so of course there's baptismal feelings mm. at that point and just like running to stay warm feelings after shivering in the cold yeah. after an hour and a half of nothing oh. but cold, hard rainfall, soaked from head to toe before you even start your first mile. Shoes are probably wet. Oh, yeah. And my shoes are a little stinky to this day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of clothes I just simply simply did not make the trip back on. <laughs> but uh, I to, to connect it to the Chariots of Fire episode we did with Mike Mitchell, mm-hmm. I did at some point feel very, um, you know, and not not uncommon for like some of the best runs I've had, but during the race, and and especially being with just a group of people that was connected, and everyone's attitudes, even despite like grayness and rainfall at seven fifteen in the morning, yeah. and people coming up and showing up, I felt I I did feel transcendence. I felt humility. And I did feel like that movie articulated some of the pleasure of God. In wow. that as well, yeah. In the sense of of running it, and then my headphones did get waterlogged and crapped out, and then I felt the pleasure of Satan, right, right, right. At that point, the hatred and the enemy of man had a huge win. <laughs> at that, uh, you know, <laughs> our friend of the show, DC Pearson, ran the race. Uh, it, in a slightly different wave, I was telling you, like they start at different times. There's a seven wave, seven a.m., seven thirty-eight. Because it was raining so much, I had to go home, and so we could not reunite yeah. after the race, which was. A little anticlimactic. Demonic but. intervention in it, that day. 
It felt it was so funny that for the six, seven days I was there, those are that was the one stretch of time that it rained at all. Yeah. Sunny skies, sunny days the rest Crazy. of the time. Crazy. But I, I really pre- and it was so fun. There was another friend of mine from LA that I was just checking Instagram after the race and she had ran it and I didn't know that she had run it. Wow. And so we got to connect about that afterwards. But it definitely gave me the bug. I'm gonna plan trips now around what can I do where? Yes. So if anyone has any tips. Yeah, or an especially good race that Kevin should check out this year. Sure. Like, like, and and for bullshit, like, is there a 5K in New Zealand? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a flimsy excuse, but what, what a fun thing. I experienced that a little bit in just traveling in the greatest hits of continental U.S., like running around in Portland, running around in, in Seattle, Doing it in London, I did. I did that last year, and and that's such a way for me to feel connected. And and there's a shelf life on it. And as you told me and informed me in a former episode, previous episode we did, uh-huh. I'm aging myself oh, every yeah, time yeah, I yeah. run. Yeah, your face. You found out from a TikTok doctor like who had Logan a lot Roy of Logan Roy in two years. God, <laughs> or Logan Roy currently, apparently. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm aging myself every time I run, so I gotta get them in. Sorry, I guess I have to I have to retire by age forty, so I got mm-hmm. another six and a half years. Tom Brady years, years. Yeah. in this career, and I have no sons to kiss, so Aww. I gotta. Oh right, well I guess you do. <laughs> yeah, actually that's not true. I was about to say I have no son to kiss on the lips. I'm like that's, that's... a lot. His eyes just open. <laughs> He's like He's like oh, yeah, crap, calling you out. Not again. <laughs> not the lips. This bullshit. I don't even have lips. Um, that's so cool. I feel like that's actually, I know maybe not quite the, uh, you know, communal experience that you necessarily envision, mm-hmm. but man, what a badass first marathon. I feel I was like really that's just really cool. It. You know, of like you have to like work through not just normal running stuff, but like the elements we're mm-hmm. fighting you and your body was freezing and like all of that stuff and you still made it. Like, that's really cool. Oh, no. And I appreciate that. I've, I feel like uh, another friend that I started the wave with, but unfortunately could not reunite with after the race was done, even though we were only like 10 minutes apart, but we couldn't find each other because her phone had gotten waterlogged so much. But she said, yeah, I did this exact same race last year and it was clear as day. It was beautiful. Easy. And and this like to start at a curve and at, at a sort of disadvantage, I, I think it'll set me up well. You can do for the anything future. now. Yeah. And I was very touched by um because I posted like a little about it on the day and I was touched by people who reached out. Uh and people who listen to the show who nice. said stuff about it. Cause it weirdly felt kind of emotional and fun in that totally. way. Totally. You know? Yeah, especially after like kind of that euphoric feeling of getting there and your body moving, and then like we're all doing all these like what thousands of people. Yeah, it was a, it was twelve thousand people. Wow, participated that's in. crazy. Yeah, yeah. nice. That Very said, cool. way I, to go, Kevin. I don't. Thank you. I, I don't foresee myself participating in a full marathon anytime soon. It feels Why? boring. <laughs> so that's that long. That times two. And anyway, how many hours were you running in this one? My time was like an hour forty-seven or something. Oh, for thirteen. Okay. But it would wow, not. It go. would not be that times two for a full. Ma- I would oh, be really? Much, it would be a lot I'm longer. Sure, I'm sure. Oh, it would be yeah, slower. yeah. Because they say it's like, it's not like you get halfway through at the 13 mile mark. It's more like the 20 mile mark, and it's like six more miles to go. And in that, from what I've heard and anecdotally, that's when your body really starts. It's to like the really hard part. Rebel against you. But, huh. 
And and listen, much like you, I'll leave the most shameful parts of my trip for an off mic conversation. Uh, but there were some things that made me question a lot. Uh, and that's our prerogative. Yeah, and that's hey. our story to tell to yeah. each other. Um, but M Night Movies Night Shyamalan Movies has Night a Shyamalan story to tell us. We're going to talk about it after this break. So let's take a break and we'll be right back with more Good Christian Fun. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to... Dive into the topic. Do you think Mel Gibson's ever listened to Stephen Curtis Chapman? Mm. 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 Or any music, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to imagine him listening to music. Um, Or connecting with a man who seems as nice as SCC does. (laughs) I don't I I don't think that would be his speed. No, Mm. I don't think so. I think he would listen to like music he makes and he would listen to Bruce Willis's Bruno band. Yeah. And he was a listen- former Shyamalan star himself. Shyamalan star, the yeah. brotherhood of the Shyamalan. Yeah. And then he would listen to like Gregorian chants to connect with his weird church he's running. <laughs> yeah, because I guess he does this and then Passion of the Christ is two years later. So Crazy. This, that was really his last project before POTC. So. This movie signs, like, where does it land in the arc of his career? Like, had he... Mel? Yeah, been in kind of a lull up to that point? Was he already still, like, doing really well? No, it it kind of is the last time that he's a unironic star. Movie star. In the sense of, like... And, and there were certainly knocks against him. And, you know, it the, the way that... 
celebrity racism and accountability functioned truly pre-internet was just, oh yeah, he could say super out-of-pocket shit in like a Playboy interview, and then it would just get buried because it's print and it didn't last in the same way. But no, by the time... No, he's on a run up until this. Like even okay. even like the the and by a run, I mean Chicken Run because he stars in Chicken Run as Rocky. Damn it! I love Chicken Run. I forgot that he was uh, the main guy in that. Did you know that Netflix is currently producing a sequel to it? No but way. they recast him with, with. Zachary Levi. <laughs> Which is very funny. <laughs> and supporting role with Jim Caviezel. <laughs> yeah, because be- before, no, he he's on top of the world. Like even tracking it from Braveheart, it goes Braveheart, Ransom, Father's Day, Conspiracy Theory, Lethal Weapon 4. And then just 2000 is Chicken Run, <laughs> The Patriot, What Women Want. And then 2002 is We Were Soldiers, the, that wow. Vietnam movie that I'm yeah. sure all of our dads have seen, and Signs. And then he kind of pieces out because he's in weird Christian world with with Passion of the Christ. And I think that's when most of his controversy starts to become a little more mainstream. Yeah. But, but at this point, he is still... He's still top top dog, Mel Gibson. He's still like, you. he can get a $15 million payday. Yeah. He's not a liability. Okay. And he's still obviously natively attracted to material like this, which is so explicitly... I mean... Because because we've we've referenced this movie before. We talked about it so much when we talked about M Night Shyamalan's movie that he came out with earlier this year, Cabin in the Woods, which we both enjoyed to Wait. a large degree. Yeah, is it Wait. called Knock at the Cabin? Yeah, I'm sorry, it's definitely called Knock okay. at the Cabin at the Woods. <laughs> Knock, Knock at the Cabin at the Woods. Woods, please. Yeah, please, please, sir. Excuse me, <laughs> my bee. Uh, but we talked about how the the vision of deistic power in that movie is so basically conservative in, in a true, lot of ways. Not like, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's like, no, for sure it's real. And it, that ends up being the same case with Signs, which is kind of cool. Did you see Signs when it came out? I did. All those years ago. Wow. And I, I, I don't think I've really watched it since. And so many things came back to me as I was watching and mainly how just it scared the absolute cheese out of me as a child. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, cheese out of me. Launched. I mean, I was, it was so, it was so scary. And watching it now, like, it definitely is scary, but it definitely also hits different um, in, like, this day of CGI and also, like, just being older. But, sure. Yeah, but it's amazing. Rory Culkin, who plays uh, one of Mel Gibson's children in the movie, Morgan Hess, he is our age. He was born the same year that you and I were born. Oh, nice. So well, that's how old we were when we watched this movie for the first time. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that why? I that mean, sh- rocks my world. They shot it one year before in 2001. but Crazy. But basically, I feel I, like I was older. So did I. But I wasn't. And I'm thinking watching the movie. Damn. Am I thinking as a 12-year-old boy... Oh yeah, I'm bigger than this kid. Or who's like yeah, a year yeah, younger? Like, Look than at me. this little guy. Hope he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the movie when it came out three times. I saw it in theaters three times. Wow. When it came out. My friend Sam and I would go see it a lot, and that was during a period when it's like, yeah, oh, a movie's good. I'll see it two or three times. Yeah. I've never seen Spider Man like three times this same year. What a different. Truly. 
Do you remember really liking signs? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like I was into, and I was into his whole thing. And I don't know if I was like, it's actually a Christian. But like, I don't know if that, I don't remember connecting to that part I of it remember necessarily. That well yeah. But I just remembered, I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. I thought Walking Phoenix was so funny in it. I thought the kids were really good. And it legitimately scared me. But it, but one of those things where when you see a scary movie the first, for the first time, if you're me, you're watching it like this, where uh-huh. you're like plugging up your ears and yeah. kind of looking away. When you see it a second, third time, it's like, I know where the jumps are. So then I, you can just watch it on a pure enjoyment level yeah, and, and kind of chill out a little bit. So such was the case for me. Uh, when I saw it. And then I think I eventually bought it on DVD and watched all the action, blah, 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 blah. Wow. But this this also represents, for both Mel Gibson, it also represents for M. Night Shyamalan the last time that both of these two people were uncontroversial yeah, in a big way. Because Shyamalan's next one is The Village, where everyone's like, are we sure about M. Night Shyamalan? Because that's such way, a mix. I love The Village. I watched it recently and I like it a lot too. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I'm still confused why that's considered like kind of a flop after this, but that's another conversation. I think it was a disappointment financially. This was a huge, huge Signs mm. was a massive, massive hit. Okay. It made so much money. Um, and then just like a little context for it. Joaquin Phoenix was not originally cast in the movie. It was Mark Ruffalo who was cast as the brother, Uncle Merrill, in the movie. And then he had a tumor because he had, he had a cancerous tumor removed. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, which is part of the reason he has like kind of the mouth shape that he does now is because of like nerves and whatnot. He has kind of a slice alone thing now. Oh, no way. It's super subtle. It's not significant. Yeah. But, but huh. Ruffalo has that. But, wow. But yeah, Mel Gibson starring as Father Graham Hess. Father now, Graham. Father Graham. Now, when we talked about this for Knock at the Cabin, and I was like, oh, Signs is such a Christian movie. Like, and this idea that runs throughout so much of Shyamalan stuff, who is not a Christian man, and, and he had some measure of, of Catholicism growing up, I think. Okay. But, but he's not, he doesn't claim any faith. This feels like almost a pure flicks joint. Just in, yeah, not not in terms of like production value or any of the like technical craft to it, but in terms of the thematics of what it's trying to say, I just I couldn't imagine a better sermon illustration for a pastor trying to be cool mm. and trying to be current with the culture. It, it feels my memory of it, which was not yours, is that it was foremost uh, a movie about a loss of faith, a regaining of faith, and yeah, within like a genre construct. Yeah, I I think that like yeah, it is surprising how um so much of the beauty and hope and optimism of this movie is a pretty religious one. But I feel like it is maybe less like pure flicks Christianity and more like pop Christianity, if that makes sense. Like yeah. To me, this reminds me... Maybe like Irwin Brothers Christianity more than Pure Flix. Maybe more like Touched by an Angel Christianity. You know, like because of the presence of aliens, honestly, because like it is it is things that capture the like American, maybe beyond American imagination of like supernatural things, which is aliens, you know, UFOs, angels mysterious things, ghosts, you know, things like that. And that maybe sometimes are totally like irreligious, but sometimes are very like rooted in our like kind of common Christianity lore that we've all grown up with. Mm -hmm. And so to me, signs is 
is like, you know, kind of God-based, but in like the pop culture way yeah. in a lot of ways. Because yeah. like the Catholicism present, presented in the movie is not like... Well, I think it's, it's Episcopalian really about, technically. Oh, sorry. It's Episcopalian. Because like, he has a wife. That's and, right. You're yeah. right. Thank you. It's not even like about being Episcopalian. It's just about like finding the thing that gives you comfort and holding on to it. And mm. then recognizing that there are supernatural things happening and not trying to like logic them away mm-hmm. or not let cynicism or pain in life like take away your ability to like have your eyes open to the supernatural world around you. So I I really hate to do this, but I have to quote plugged in in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is to say, I was just skimming it today. Oh, real quick. And I think, yeah, gotcha. I, yeah, we should just do that live. Uh, the, the quote from it was, imagine an X-Files episode crafted by a seminary student hooked on Camus and Nietzsche. Totally. And that is totally. kind of Totally, that's totally, yeah, that was like in a much more succinct way. Supernatural shit happening. Yes. Someone whose commitment to the tangible world and reason, it, it, half of it is just rationalizing in a way like, oh no, it's probably the the Boise brothers or whatever the fuck they're called. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Michael Showalter's gang, who he, he plays the guy right. that it's supposed to be. It took me out when I saw him. So, and for anyone, and people should watch this movie. Totally. I think it's a fun watch. And it's I, so good. Rewatching it again yesterday. It gave me everything I wanted and needed from yeah. a movie. You, you know what I appreciated about it too? It's just, um, I was talking to our friend Natalie about White Lotus season two. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh no, this season's kind of this or it's blah, blah, blah. And she says, look, I just watched that show to watch actors act. I don't really care about the other stuff in it. And I feel like in a movie like this where it's like such a, Limited space in a small setting mm-hmm. and contained context. Mm-hmm. It is just mostly watching actors act. Yeah. So it's Breslin, it's Rory Culkin, not Kieran Culkin, Joaquin Gibson, Cherry Jones, Merritt Weaver is the pharmacy gal, Michael Showalter for some yeah. reason in his only kind of dramatic role he's ever had. They like a tough guy. Yeah, like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> I just kept imagining him in the new Wet Hot yeah. American Summer yeah. clothes. He had a leather vest on. <laughs> <laughs> but watching them act and like in deliver wow. fairly emotional scenes within this thing that's kind of uh, Hitchcock. It's supernatural, but it's also a little bit campy. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's suspenseful. And yeah. the score and the music, which I, I do like so much, is like Bernard Harmony and kind of psycho and and mm-hmm. and its performance. But it is just like a lot of craft on display. Um, but with something on its mind, and by someone who just. Feels like they know exact. There, there was not a part in this that didn't feel extremely considered. Yeah, there was careful. no extraneous stuff. Yeah, and even like the goofy stuff when they go into town and you get a little more exposition. It's like, oh no, that's necessary. P- perhaps the only detrimental decision in the movie is once again Mr. Shyamalan casting himself <laughs> in a pivotal role. As I actually. Yeah, I mean, that is truly so funny because he is a terrible actor and he should know that. But He should know that, he's right? He's a director. He should know. And the performances the he gets <laughs> are good. Like from the kids? <laughs> I know. Are so good. He knows what good acting is. And he, he, he casts himself in big parts, too. This isn't Hitchcock walking through the background like, oh, my God. 
But I will say of the recent M. Light Shyamalan cameos I've seen, if he's going to have to do lines, like this was one of the better ones, I'd say. Well, he was so checked out and emotionally distraught in the movie. Yeah. So there is a sense of blankness that kind of makes sense. There was something other trivia I I read, like in the truck scene, mm-hmm. skipping ahead a little bit, when he's telling, he's apologizing to Mel Gibson, father, father whatever character. Father Hess. Father Hess. Father. About, about accidentally hitting his wife and killing her. He... A guest had like had a friend or maybe his like family had lost someone like that day or like the day before. Mm-hmm. Or no, wasn't it? When was this movie filmed again? 2001. There was like a 9-11 crossover as well. I think the first day of shooting was 9-11. So, yes. the, so the first day of shooting was the truck scene. Yes. <laughs> For some reason, M. Night was like, let's go. And yeah. they had a candlelight vigil. For the recent tragedy. That's right. I, that I think they happened. filmed the wife, uh, her like conversation with mm-hmm. Father Hess at the end of the movie. Anyway, I think perhaps that is why we see M. Night give a little bit more than he usually can because he was genuinely feeling something. I don't know. Probably. Um, but always hilarious that he loves to do that. He loves to get behind the wheel. Remember on Old Beach, he was yeah, like the driver. He's always driving. He's a security guard in the Unbreakable in the Glass movie. Uh, Who is he in the village? In the village, he's he's also a sort of park ranger person. Oh, at, at the end when that's you right. realize when the twist them. of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he doesn't find them. The woman that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard runs into covers up for them. But but the 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 plot for this one is essentially at the beginning of the movie, Father Hess is no longer really a father because he's lost his faith due to this horrific tragedy in which his wife passed away due to a car accident caused in large part to M. Night Shyamalan's character. What's his name? Ray Reddy. <laughs> Ray Reddy is his name. So Ray Reddy... Should be ain't ready. <laughs> he ain't ready to get behind the wheel. He fell asleep. Not a drunk driver. Ain't ready to act. So so then all the... You, you do have to respect to less than two hour movie. There's really no waste. It's just like the premise bam, is bam, within bam. 10 minutes... Is there some fucked up shit in our crop, you know, in our crop field or in our cornfields? And there's these crop circles that pop up and then weird stuff starts happening. Is it aliens? We don't know. And it feels like this movie might take place in the 90s or early 90s, even though it came out in 2002. Mm -hmm. Because there's no real like technology or cell phones outside of walkie-talkies or TV. There's no computers of any kind, Mm -hmm. which makes it easier to watch. And, And interestingly, I feel like has an effect on the way that this movie portrays faith. Even if you think about the way Knock at the Cabin, so much of the impetus for this group coming together and saying, we're ending, we're going to prevent the apocalypse and we're going to do these sacrifices. We all met on a Reddit board. They met online. Essentially. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Uh-huh. Whereas something like this, it, it is like, it's such a good elevator pitch of like Independence Day, but just on one farm. Yes. And like what a family goes through. Yeah. Uh, like really shrinking down the the scope or the context of that movie and and then what that would be and having this claustrophobic, not really global view of it other than like a news report here or there and how would a family actually be affected. So Father has, has no faith and, you know, at first these crop circles happen and the kids immediately are like, yeah, it's aliens. We found a book that literally describes everything they're going to do yeah. <laughs> to us in this invasion. 
And him and, and his brother Merrill, Joaquin Phoenix, they're more like, no, it's probably these boys in town who like to, you know, fuck shit up and be hoodlums. And then at the end it is, oh, no, it really is aliens. And then due to, I would say, like a Rube Goldberg contraption of events and providence, Mel Gibson, Father Hess's faith is restored in God because of reason. So he loses his faith because a really horrific, tragic thing happened, a trauma happened. And it's kind of restored by the way that a trauma worked out at okay in the end. Yeah, and like kind of a series of miracles were in place and he was paying attention mm-hmm. and was able to save his family because of that. So the aliens, famously, as anyone who remembers this movie, remembers, hate water. So they went to a plant that's mostly water. But, you know, you see Abigail Breslin's character leaving little water glasses everywhere. You hear at one point, Joaquin Phoenix used to be a baseball player. And Mel Gibson's dying, uh, his wife's dying words were swing away. And he didn't know what it meant until the time comes when he had to swing. And then One of his kids has asthma. And one of his kids has asthma. So that means the alien's poisoned again in his lungs. So it's like... This really bad thing happened. I don't believe in God anymore because the worst thing that could have happened to me happened to me. And then five weird, insane, good things happened. I think I believe in God again. And literally the last shot of the movie is Father Hess putting the collar back on. He's a Christian again, and he's going back going to, to church. church. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the the main, you know, uh, fulcrum around which all of that happens is the moment when his wife is dying is also the moment when she delivers to him all the information he will need mm-hmm. in like a prophecy like way, basically. Well, there was save the family. There was swing away. Wait, what else did she say? She said, swing away. She said, um, the aliens are allergic to water. <laughs> she said, his name is Gabriel, I think. And she says, Gabriel needs to see, or like, Oh, Meryl needs to see. He just Meryl needs, needs to, to see. see. Yeah. yeah. So basically, like he needs to also be watching. Did somebody say Meryl needs to see? Meryl. <laughs> Did someone say Meryl needs to sing? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's in my contract. Um, so I guess that's also like part of the miracle, too. It's not just like they had these tools at, at the right moment, but mm-hmm. like the person who kind of almost took away his faith, ended up in memory giving it back to him. Yeah, and in an interesting sort of um, mm-hmm. tit for tat or, or to the idea of sacrifice, like knock at the cabin of like she died, but her dying words were the key to defeating the alien that then tries to attack them. Then yeah. Then they have all the tools for. Very cool. The, the, idea, the idea of faith in this movie is so interesting to me just in the sense of We've talked about before when we were talking about like American underdog or anytime any athlete or celebrity says like, I want to glorify, I want to thank God and give him glory for the fact that I want to, there's such a, there's such a funny main character syndrome where it's like, if you contemplate the idea of, of father Hess's life where it's like, he has a congregation, he has people in the community he knows who must go through great suffering all the time and must lose, lose loved ones, have tragic things happen. And by the power of faith and prayer and whatnot and his theology and his his working ideology, Price shepherds them and, and stewards that grief in a way. And then when it happens to him, he's like, well, I'm out of here, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that idea, which like I think is probably pretty resonant and relatable to like our own lives. And I, I've always thought, 
I used to, especially when I was younger, I was like, well, if something bad happened to my mom, I'd probably not believe in God anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I remember having that thought explicitly. Like consciously, yeah. So it's so relatable. Yeah. Um, but then it does make it so funny where it's like, well, I guess God kind of saved me. Yeah, I believe in him again. Totally, yeah. And it's still like, well, the aliens murdered the rest of the, or whatever ended up happening. Yeah, But that doesn't people, shake the faith. Exactly. And and it, it's all kind of coordinated just to get this one man mm-hmm. back to faith. And he is the only one that can kind of like help his family out. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of funny. He's the main character after all. It, yeah, it's, it's intense main character syndrome. I do remember may, maybe one of the most emotional scenes in the movie is they finally accept the truth. Aliens are coming. They might attack us. We don't know. What does everyone want for dinner? And then they make this wild, like, there's French toast, there's teriyaki chicken, all this stuff. <laughs> and and they, uh, uh, Mel Gibson refuses to pray. The, the youngest Culkin, Rory, says, like, well, let's pray. And Mel Gibson says, we're not praying. Colkin says, I hate you to his dad. And he goes, that's fine. I remember that scene so clearly. That's fine. We used uh, to say that. I hate you. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. And then he eats while he's crying, which is really hard to do, I would imagine, as an actor. Mm-hmm. Do you think Mel Gibson's good in this role? It's kind of an interesting pick for him because yeah. he's such a... It's a very subtle character for him. And for most of his stuff, he's pretty wild and... Out of pocket. He's like known for just being loud, you know, and like a lot. Yeah, like Lethal Weapon and especially the Mad Max stuff. Sure. Yeah, exactly. This, it's very like, it's a man grieving and he's very restrained. Mm -hmm, Kind of broken down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think he was very good. Mm -hmm. He was very good. And I, man, everyone in that family is so good that it is hard to say if it's just him it it is just as much little Abigail Breslin and little Rory Culkin and Joaquin Phoenix, honestly, because yeah. the way they all play off each other, like that, really struck me this time around. Like, oh, the way this family operates and communicates with each other is a little like Wes Anderson, you know, cute and like maybe a little too adult on some factor, but it also feels kind of real and is like really striking. Like there's just mm-hmm. so much quietness. There is a bit of resentment, but there's also so much care and tenderness with each other. Yeah. And it's a it's an unusual family. There's no mother in the situation. There's this uncle living with them. Mm-hmm. The kids are really little. They literally have the freaking Joker living <laughs> under their the roof. Jokey. Jokey's in the basement <laughs> watching the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like going through his weird thing. So it's like this kind of unconventional family a little bit. And that all works together to make this like really sweet family you really care about, you know, and that you're also like worried they don't have what it takes to like survive this. I I found so much of it genuinely funny still. So funny. Even just like the little beats of listening to Meryl or excuse me, Merritt Weaver confessing all her sins at the pharmacy so and the funny. guy peeking. Like he knows. When he comes back home and Joaquin also has the tinfoil hat on. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting there with the kids in the middle. But you're right in that it, there, there's something, because this is the knock at the cabin, but it's the knock with Shyamalan now. It's like his dialogue sounds so weird. Yeah. It sounds so arch. And maybe this was at a at an inflection point or like with the right alchemy of actors where uh, it's arch and it's stylized, but you still get it, and you get yeah. the relationships in a way that where they don't sound like fucking aliens or whatever. Exactly, like, yeah. They sound like an old 
but yeah, you do have to appreciate that so much. And I I was just so shocked, even rewatching it about like he's talking to God. You know, they have to rush into the basement when little Rory Culkin has an asthma attack and he's holding his son while he's like writhing in pain and can't mm-hmm. breathe. He's like, I hate you. Don't do this to me again. Mm-hmm. And he says he hates you to his father the way Rory Culkin said it to his father Whoa. in the scene prior. Connect that. Daddy issues. And it's also like that last gasp of struggle you make before you like embrace each other again mm-hmm. too. Wow. There's one scene that kind of pays respect to the idea of because the the devil entendre of the of the title is oh, there's, you know, signs from above in the sense of like, oh, there is life out there. There's intelligent life, there's aliens, and then signs and wonders in the biblical sense. And I think it is such a strong central metaphor of look, it's a roar shark test, and mm-hmm. whatever that I'm forgetting the quote, but whatever that quote is of there's enough evidence in life to ascribe complete and total meaning to every event that happens to you or absolute meaninglessness to everything that happens to you. And there's this great, like, say the theme of the movie scene where him and Joaquin are like watching TV late at night and talking about, yeah, there's two kind of, there's two groups of people. One, one group sees what happens and they see, provision and and miracles and they see someone looking out for them and someone else sees like you know coincidences and just Mm -hmm. randomness and events and at that point in the movie father Stu or father has is we should just call him father Stu. okay from now on he's father (laughs) Stu. uh he's saying like no there's no one helping us you know because of his recent trauma experience And then Meryl's rebuttal to it is, well, I almost kissed a girl who threw up. So I think I think God is real. Yeah, he's like dead ass. Like that was a miracle to me. I would have been traumatized if I had the girl thrown up in me. Yeah. Yeah. And that that monologue is very, yeah, it's it's, you know, kind of explaining things. But I'm glad they do it because it does really like bring into stark relief. Like, what do you how would most people react to seeing 14 UFOs in the sky waiting assembled, half of us probably would be like, this is some kind of weird military exercise or like governments trying to fuck with us or viral something. Marketing. This is a viral marketing scene. Oh, it's just Prince Charles's coronation. You know, it's just a drone <laughs> show. Mm-hmm. And then half of people would be like, no, this is it. There are aliens coming, but I'm not scared because... God will come and help us and save us. And the other half is like, no one's going to save us. We're fucked, you know? And it really is a choice in a lot of ways. And this movie does say, you should be the ones that believe the aliens are real. But like, it is a choice you get to make. But And it does have huge ramifications for how you treat your kids and how you treat yourself and how you deal with like the random chaos and horrific things that happen in your life. So much of what... um Shyamalan's been compared to, and even the uh, inspiration he's cited is Twilight Zone, and especially his last handful of movies feel like, in a good way, extended Twilight Zone episodes of like, what what would you do? What what if this mm-hmm. this premise, and then illuminating this other truth via metaphor in the way that Serling would do, and it feels like in Signs, in Signs, it's so interesting to me because, again, the metaphor. I I guess you would think it to be like if you were to blow it out to something not literal to the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is actually about 
I don't know, belief or faith. But it's such a one-for-one, one, if that makes sense. It's not like something that's meant to represent faith or belief. Right, right. Representing, but it's just what that is. Yes. But mixed it, I, I find that mix so fascinating because you just, I don't remember the idea of like God saving you from aliens. So now you're kind of a Christian again. I just don't remember that happening in any other sort of genre. Yeah. Like usually if that's the case, it's like, well, he regained faith in whatever his his tribe or something. And it's like, it's kind of like how we lose our faith in God sometimes. Like usually like the loss and regaining of faith thing is more distant from the literal message of it. Yeah. And yeah. this just like, is that in it a way that's that. so jarring almost to watch. Yeah. I mean, if you compare this movie to kind of a similar idea, which would be war of the worlds where you follow this one family through an alien attack and what they do that's kind of about like getting your family back together. But like the main thing you're concerned about is if this family will just survive. It's like a survival movie, you mm -hmm. know, like, can you win? Can you outlive the aliens? And this movie has all of the same like alien tactics, but it's not, you're not really worried about the family surviving. That's mm -hmm. not what matters. It's not the adventure of that. It is more, yeah, what is going in in on internally? And gosh, we hope that Father Stu goes back to work at the end of it, you know, and that he finds joy in living again. Yeah. That's what matters to us, not if we defeat the aliens or not. Right. And I, I guess he does, like you're saying, set up those emotional stakes in the sense of it's not about how good it is to be a Christian. It's just like, well, faith is good. And he's like a little desolate and blank behind the eyes. Yeah, and, and his kids are unhappy because of it. Finding it hard to connect because of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it be nice if he like regained faith? But the other thing that's interesting to me about it, or, or thinking about like the razor's edge in which like nihilism or faith always seems to exist, even in day-to-day -day life. Even, even for me, I, th I think about like maybe with the same script, someone else doing this movie and making it a question of, Perhaps it was God's provision and and his plan set forth in motion that then the water was there and the baseball bat was there. And then he knew because of his wife's synapses firing, maybe that was God. Or maybe it was just like totally weird and right. Yeah, they to, would give you some other like seed of doubt to, to like undo To leave it, it a too. question. Yeah. And it's just so funny that this is the second Shyamalan. No we're question. just like, God is real. <laughs> you should go to church. It's going to make your life better. Exactly. And he will save you. Yes. Faith is the answer, but mm -hmm. not in a, like, I'm trying to get you to convert to Christianity way. Just like simply for this man, he will be better off if he goes back to his like religious tradition. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I've just, I, I'm I'm fascinated by someone who just doesn't, who obviously has a lot of respect for faith, but doesn't share the faith, making yeah. such an explicitly... Faithful, like they would play this in a youth group. They would play this. Yeah. Like it's full. This is a mission trip bus movie for sure. It is really interesting. And uh, yeah, like you see that his understanding of faith is not, yeah, it's like obviously not concerned with theology. It's not concerned with whatever denomination or even like what particular God you're into, honestly. And it also isn't, necessarily universal for every character. Like, Father Stu goes back to church. Mm -hmm. We don't really worry if Joaquin's character will gain faith. Right. We don't care if the kids have faith in God. It's just him. 
because it's good for him. Right. You know? Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, it's not about like, isn't it good that this family is united? I mean, I guess the kid gets him to pray or or wants him to pray. Yeah, and I guess the point. kids are demonstrating like their own kind of faith. Like they're ready to believe in aliens. I think the little Bo is basically a prophet. Like they they imply that she's like seen all of You're this stuff in her dreams. absolutely right. She said, this was in my dream Yeah, so she's like times. doing, you know, creepy little girl things or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like they're not... I guess beyond the prayer, like, they're not really, like, Christian or they're not really, like, trying to go to church. Mm-hmm. They don't even show them praying at any point. No, other than him they saying, just, I like, hate you, believe in the aliens. Like, that's their version of, mm-hmm. like, being in their right mind on Earth, you know? And them reading the good book is reading that one book they <laughs> like, got at the bookstore that's like, book. yeah. this is going to happen. Here's <laughs> yeah. our silhouettes burnt to a crisp outside the house. Exactly. Which I kind of don't understand. I guess it is more like prophecy or fairy tale stuff of like yeah this was that's like hey the windows look like our windows yeah that was actually the creepiest thing that was creepy and it looked exactly like their house even though it was this kind of like weird book that anyway man that when i was a kid that mexican birthday party video truly my god i remember reacting it to it physically the way phoenix does in in the movie yeah i just like oh oh yeah it's it's Oh my god! I mean, this is a whole other. This like we can really nerd out about the film, but like mm-hmm. the way the view will pan so slowly to nothing, 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 and you keep waiting for the something at the end, and then mm-hmm. there's just like nothing there, or like you get just the tiniest. Oh, it's so scary! Yeah. It's so effective, and they don't even show aliens until like way far into the movie, yeah. and then I think they show like a little leg and a the little, yeah, a little gam, a little yeah. he's like hello, <laughs> yeah, boys, razzle dazzle, <laughs> yeah, a little hand here and there, and like I think I read on IMDb, it's like the total time of aliens on screen is like a minute and a half in this entire movie, and yet you're so freaking scared of them the whole time. Yeah, man, I really so effective. I really enjoyed revisiting it. Yeah. Um. And Entertaining. I really, I really enjoyed Cherry Jones as the sheriff. Caroline. Yeah. Sheriff Caroline. Sheriff Car. Wait, is that her name? Uh huh. Cher- You're right, Caroline Pasecki. Caroline Pasecki. Yeah. She was great. So she worked with one. She's worked with two Colkins at this point. Isn't that fun? Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. She must be friends with that family. Man Pierce, I bet. perhaps. Uh, and again, taking place a lot. So what some of the what ifs of casting were? Shyamalan approached. Paul Newman for the role, but he declined as he wasn't interested. He also approached Clint Eastwood. For Imagine. The- Wait, so you're telling me this is about illegal aliens? I'm not a father anymore. <laughs> Wait, that's not it. I'm not a father. <laughs> I'm not a Wait, father. I need to sound more dead. Yeah. I'm not a father Like, there anymore. is a weird I mean, ghostly... Yeah. I'm not a father anymore. <laughs> Like, it's kind of, there's yeah. a yeah, yeah, higher like, pitch uh, to it. Yeah, anyway. It's less Jackson Maine and more. I would have made him a very old man in this movie. <laughs> and they, Father think, Stu goes to the beach, and then that's that's what it would have been. That's when you get Clint getting cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Clint Eastwood was in the movie old, he would last for five minutes. <laughs> and that's it. That's curtains for Clinty. Clinty McClintock. That's an easy filming day for him. My goodness. But terrifically, anything else that we want to say about it other than, you know, it strengthened our faith and we think about signs and wonders. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll ask you this, just like as a as a little extension of, of the mm-hmm. idea of the movie. 
when things that work out work out for you in a way where it's like, well, that was not a given. Things that feel a little too coincidental or like, isn't it amazing? I ran into this person or that the timing on this worked out just right. Mm-hmm. Now in 2023, do you ascribe that to anything else than just, oh, it's nice that that worked out? I don't. And I think that one, I, I honestly don't know if I'm even paying attention enough <laughs> to like notice or like be, you know, on the lookout for signs and for crazy coincidences and stuff. And maybe I just haven't had anything super miraculous in my life recently too. Oh, and so... Hey. <laughs> hey, it gets better. Don't worry. I live with a beautiful scamp here every day. She's my little miracle. Um, but like... She's your what miracle? My little miracle. Lil? Lil. Are you sure? <laughs> Lil. Oh, okay. You know, it's long. Oh, a lot of yeah. eyes. <laughs> There's a That's lot a of six it. Yeah, it's thick. Um, so I don't, I don't think I do. And I think that I... I don't want to either because I don't think I could bear the disappointment of signs not working out and maybe not meaning anything and then having to go through the difficulty of like, well, maybe I'm not right or maybe I fumbled the sign or maybe Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. not deserving of the miracle or whatever it may be, you know? I remember talking to a friend one time who is really into um, tarot and like predictive tarot, like this will happen in mm-hmm. your life and asking her, you know, like how do you um, deal with like maybe things not happening? You know, are are then you now questioning your ability to read the cards? Are mm-hmm. you questioning your ability to like divine what's going on here? Or are you also thinking that like, Maybe you were bad and so you didn't get the thing that you were supposed to. Damn, dude. You know, that was like in the cards for you because she's like a true believer in these things, you know? And I remember her answer like kind of being uncomplicated and maybe not like logically airtight for me, but it was like, no, I don't think that. I just think like, well, maybe that one didn't work this time, but like the next one will was kind of what it boiled down to, you know? And it didn't, it wasn't ever a reflection of like how well she did something or not. It was basically like, from if I'm understanding what she said, kind of like, well, there will be another opportunity mm-hmm. for me to, you know, um, take advantage of like the gift of this vision or something. That's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. And it feels like that sort of attitude would serve people like Father Stu in this movie or in, in anyone who's like, Faith feels life-defining, but then immediately is tested or challenged or falls apart in the face of, you know, adversity to have a little bit of like, it's not going to be math. It's going to be jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, maybe a little bit. Honestly. Maybe so. Yeah. And I, I was like, I'd rather think about it that way. I think that's a lot healthier mm-hmm. and saves you all the like, you know, self-loathing that can come along with other kinds of belief in signs and uh, wonders and things that you're supposed to do based on what you saw, you know? Yeah. And I feel like my version of this that I go through, or I I feel like I've gone through recently. So for me now, it isn't like trying to map out the emotional logic of a God who does this and a God who does that, Mm. provides this, takes away that, et cetera. Now, now the ways in which I, I struggle with like faith, maybe in the way that like someone like Father Stu in this movie would, 
is just even in the idea of faith in, in my piecemeal ideology or philosophy when it comes to general worldview stuff, a view of society, and then especially when it comes to personal stuff in the sense of like, is this working? Are these things that I've, with my time and my words or effort and energy, put a value on as valuable as I think they are, is it working to the net benefit of my life and to others around me? And sometimes it's hard to keep those beliefs consistent because you experience times when it feels like, oh, it's a drought, or I, I see and feel zero effect of this, mm-hmm. but but I've put my faith in this. Yeah. Um, that's when I feel faith tested now in a significant way, I think in 2023, um, where where I, I really have to catalog, and, and like you said about your tarot friend, like the idea of it may not work out sometimes. It doesn't mean it's all bullshit. Mm. Like- because it rains doesn't mean it doesn't usually shine, I guess. Yeah. Like, and, and, it, and it feels like a zero-sum game, but I just go through long stretches of that sometimes, I think. I was going through that a couple of weeks ago where I was like, is this real? Like, in the sense of— What do you mean when you say this? Um, ju- Just in the sense of, like, I, I was—I talked about it with Alyssa, actually, on that one episode we did, but just the idea of, like, the reciprocal value or love or energy that— putting into friendships like i know it exists i don't think Mm. people are being fake but is it is it valuable in the way i'm valuing it to be valuable so not like are we in a simulation but just in the sense of like yeah but is it really that meaningful like Mm. in the in this way that i'm like i believe in the love of this person or that this relationship is profound to me or that the way we spend our time is is a net good? Or is it just like, yeah, it's kind of frivolity and you're dressing it up in these terms that you don't need to. Right. Is it just like fun? Yeah. And not more. Yeah. Than that, you know, and you're just filling time or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's when I feel the yeah. faith crisis. I totally get that. I feel like I have been through moments like that too, where, yeah, you are like, wait, is this actually like the love I'm getting from people giving my life meaning and depth and joy or would they like drop me like a hot potato tomorrow and not remember, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it's actually, like you said, just me dressing up and like trying to hold on to something when really this is just like convenience ultimately, you know? Yeah. And that can be hard. And like, you don't really know sometimes, and especially when you're feeling low, and especially when you're feeling low about yourself and you don't feel like you necessarily deserve long-term love from people and mm-hmm. like loyalty from people despite who who you may think you are like whatever so definitely know what you mean i definitely have felt that right for sure and 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 it's a human desire to want to see the results or to put in the christian terms like the fruit of mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and see oh no this this is meaningful this is valuable this is worth it but it it sometimes won't happen and it's kind of hard to accept yeah the droughty times i mean to me uh Man, I hate to be a little too on brand, but that's like a little P2 stuff. That's a little Paddington 2 stuff where like that's a faith, loss of faith, regaining of it thing mm-hmm. for him where he's like, oh, it didn't work. Aunt Lucy's stuff about, oh, be kind to everybody. Like, I'm in jail and now I'm on the run. Like it did not work. Like yeah, that abiding philosophy yeah. that I got from like this, you know, authority or deistic figure 
it didn't work. And it's not until the end in which he sees like his indirect and direct influence on people's lives actually was meaningful and fruitful to them. And in a scene that almost feels like ethereal or heavenly, like the end of his life, like, you know, he's reunited with it where it's like, yeah, you may not see it in that like perfect fable storybook way uh, that you would in that, but, but wouldn't it be nice if you did. And so I think that's all speaking to the same desire of like, at no, at no point in the movie does Father Stu say like, God, I don't know about these aliens, but give me a sign. Or right, whatever. right, right, yeah. Give me a sign uh, for them. But yeah. anyway, good talk. Um, let's write this shit, right? Yeah, like whatever. Rose toast or space between. Toast is sending it to heaven. Thumbs up. We say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Roast hell. Thumbs down. We say. No, 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 no. Or we send it to purgatory, which is. Took 714 steps today. Really? Oh, wait. I just put together the number you said. That's not a lot. That's like a comatose person would do more steps than that. (laughs) Damn. Do you want me to see how many steps? No, don't give me your fucking steps, you jerk. I got got so (laughs) many in Japan, and damn. Yeah, and the, really with the bad. conversion rate, you actually have more <laughs> steps in America. It was a little less. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> toast, obviously. Oh, it's, what else is that? Oh, you know, you know what I didn't read? This is actually part of a planned trilogy for movies Shyamalan had. The second one was sealed. And delivered. And the th- well, the third one was delivered. Well, it's about the baby's story. They right. go back in time for Bo and Yeah. And two is about they join, you know, a water park. There's uh-huh. a bunch of seals there. Signed seals. That one was delivered. A, a, even more literal in a way yeah, that I thought I, so too. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't make that. Like, I'm against animal cruelty as well, but you don't need to be in my freaking face exactly. about it. Exactly. And then there was that sequel that was pretty good. That they were planning, but right. the script was really good. Right. It was, the Maccabees. <laughs> yeah, the Maccabees. <laughs> Woo. I mean, just uh, and I, I wonder what it's like. I do wonder if we have a little nostalgia brain 20 years ago. I remember how scared I was by this. But I genuinely do think it's like such a well crap. And obviously, it's hard to get past certain racism and anti-Semitism of the lead actor in the movie. Mm-hmm. But if you can, check it at the door, I guess. Um, up to you. Yeah, and it is but, up to uh, you. Like, who cares? Yeah, as far as the movie goes, definitely good. Yeah. They're worth it. And good-hearted. I thought Cherry Jones was so compelling in it, too. Yeah, I know, right? Like, in a way where it's like, this character should not be this interesting. She's but too she's good. Like, so, what yeah, a Yeah, yeah, she's like telling that random story about a lady spitting on everybody, and you're like, whoa, I want to follow her around all day. So like, what's your Her deal? life, yeah. <laughs> she, oh, she's so good. Nan mm-hmm. Pierce. All right. Man, I'm trying to think. Are there any other Shyamalan? I guess the village is kind of a faithy story. Although there is one, do you remember the Adrian Brody character in that movie? He, oh yeah, I mean that performance in twenty twenty three is that's that is state penitentiary. (laughs) That is not death penalty, but just one tier down. Mm -hmm. But it is jail. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's so jail. I forgot about that. Oh my god! But just absolutely bananas, simple Jack style. 
All right, movie night, movies night, Shyamalan. Great movies night, Shyamalan. (laughs) Okay, now we're bringing down the lights. We're lighting the candles. I forgot to light my candle until halfway through the episode. So, Caroline, sorry it smelled like shit. Or not, it smelled like cinnamon. Like absolute donkey in here. (laughs) No, it smells good in here. Yeah, it does smell like cookies. Yeah. And we're not here to plug ourselves or promote our projects. We're here to lift them up to the Lord as a loving and humble sacrifice, including something we might be enjoying in secular culture. Caroline, we turn it to you. Here we go. I'm going to lift up a song and a book. The song Is the song a book? Two things. Two separate things. Song. The song is by Chapel Roan. It's called Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. Um... This song broke me down, built me back up. (laughs) (laughs) I just sent Caroline a picture. Is that Zoe Kazan? That's Zoe Kazan. What in the hell? I sent Caroline a picture of Jeremy Strong lifting Zoe Kazan up. What the fuck is going on here? And then uh, what's her name? Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman. Mm -hmm. Huh. (laughs) Was this? This is a while ago, right? I think so. This is a moment in time. Isn't that funny looking? This group. <laughs> Woo! Kaleidoscope Chapel Roan. Definitely give it a listen. Sorry for interrupting. So beautiful. That. I That's you would okay. Open it later. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, and then I um, I got around to reading Emily Ratajkowski's book, My Body. Was it good? It was very good. I actually listened to it on a uh, tape. I don't know if we say listen on tape anymore, but listen to the audio. I listened to the audio book. Right? Thank you. Yeah. Um, and. That was that was a cool way to hear it, to hear it in her voice. I always think that's kind of nice for a memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a great group of essays, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I understand her a lot better, and I am just kind of like you know shocked in a terrible way of like what she goes through on a daily basis. Um, but really, really great writing, uh, really cool person, Emily Ratajkowski. Emily Ratatouille. Quick read too. My body, and then your call, your former colleague and classmate, my fellow Bruin. Yeah. I know. So she lived in the same dorm building as me in freshman year of UCLA before she dropped out. And I remember, and I was friends with her roommate. So it's how her would around. you remember a plain-looking person like that? <laughs> I know she's pretty unremarkable for the most part. <laughs> uh, you can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. I will lift up freaking. Well, you know what's really good this year, Barry. Barry. Ugh. Have you been watching it? I am confused. I can't tell if there's like another season I haven't watched because I just finished watching a season like a few months ago. Uh-huh. Is that the most recent season? If it was the... Well, Have we there been talk like about... new episodes coming out this month yeah. or something? Oh, okay. Then yeah. I haven't seen this oh, okay. new gotcha. section of Barry, but the last season was amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I think I referenced on some episode that we did tonight, but Bill Hader... Uh, Boy with Catholicism from Oklahoma Less making boy. a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on now. Well, yeah, an- another way I relate to him, actually. And um, <laughs> we have a lot in common. Oh, gosh. Tall uh, Oklahoman and weighed down. Barry uh, is a show that started as a kind of comedy sitcom, and then it became Bill Hader saying, Did you guys know I subscribe to the Criterion channel? Where here's my directing. Check it out. <laughs> Based on that. But it's still very funny. Darcy Carden's so funny on that show. Shout out to Emma Barry. Yeah, Barry on Hobo. 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 HBO Max. 
soon to be just Max. Just Max. It's just Max. It's cleaner. Max. Max. Who knew? Yours is so good. <laughs> it's kind of a little Adam Driver too. <laughs> I think that's why. It's because that stupid video. Someone said that to Zaslav. Who named the streaming service Goofy? Because it's a goofy sounding name. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Patreon.com slash Good Christian Fun for more Good Christian Fun. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. Hey, we got through our first episode in a long time without any AI. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that good of me? See, executives, it can you be done. You don't need it. <laughs> Uh, Caroline, good to have you back, buddy. Good to be back. Welcome home. Feel blessed. I feel whole again. Checking in with Kevin about Ely, all the things we've seen. You're home. Ely. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing left to say except for Okay. okay I, I love, love you, Emma. Emma. Amen. Amen. Now, now watch this drive. And let's go out with the uh song that plays over the end credits of this movie. That's him seeing the alien and screaming for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and we'll see you next week on another episode of Good Christian Fun. Good Christian Fun was recorded before a live dog who sometimes barked on mic. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) That was a HeadGum Podcast.